Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Shay Holbrook from Larson Motorsports, Jet Dragster Driver in the IHRA Nitro Jam Drag Racing Series, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome once again to this week's episode of Thursday Night Thunder. This is episode 154 of the series, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program... We'll be discussing NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, and whatever else pops into the conversation. The 15th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg is a race event held during Florida's spring break season each March. As the NTT IndyCar Series season opening race for the 19th consecutive year, St. Pete is a destination city hosting this annual motorsport tradition and offering a festival atmosphere with its downtown location. The temporary circuit is a 1.8-mile, 14-turn configuration using the streets as Circling Pioneer Park, the Duke Energy Center of the Arts, the Dolly Museum, extended onto the runways of the Albert Witted Airport, which overlooks the waterfront of Tampa Bay and picturesque St. Petersburg Harbor and Marina. Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg is owned and operated by Green Subway Racing Promotions, which also promotes three additional IndyCar races. Honda Indy Toronto, July 12th through the 14th, 2019. The Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio, July 26th through the 28th, 2019. And the Grand Prix of Portland, August 30th through September 1st, 2019. This will be the only NTT IndyCar Series race to be held in Florida this year. The NTT IndyCar Series race broadcast will be live on NBC Sports Network. March 10th with coverage starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern and all on-track sessions streamed live on the NBC Sports Gold app with the IndyCar Pass. We're pleased this evening to be joined by Steve Bidlack, who's the Managing Marketing and Communications Director for Green Savaray Promotions. He's going to be joining us in about two minutes. So while we're standing by for him, let's go ahead and listen to Short Track Racing by Ron Pastana and the Pit Crew.
driver of the number 14 Reynolds Racing Chassis Late Model. You're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. Once again, that was Ron Pastan, the pit crew, with Short Track Racing. We're now pleased to welcome Steve Biglack, Managing Marketing and Communications Director for Green Savory Promotions. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing pretty well, thank you. First off, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg? Well, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete dates back to 2005, and this will be the 15th annual event coming up here in downtown St. Petersburg uh, next weekend, March 8th through the 10th. Um, And we'll see if uh, Sebastian Bourdais can be the uh, first-time three-peat winner of of the Grand Prix. Um, Typically, the streets that St. Pete bring a lot of firsts, uh, including Graham Rahal becoming the uh, youngest driver ever to win an IndyCar race. So with it being the season opener for the ninth consecutive year, um, a, a lot of new things always uh, happen in that opening race. And how many different classes will be competing in this year's race? This year there will be uh, five total classes of, of racing, uh, and for four of those five, uh, it'll be their U.S. season opener. So you'll have everything from the uh, Road to Indy series, uh, which those are the young drivers looking to uh, make their way up to the IndyCar race, all the way to the uh, Full Fender World Challenge series. So you'll see some of the, the coolest, most exotic cars going uh, fender to fender and uh, some showroom stock racing. And you mentioned some of the some of the highlights of the event over the years of the race. What's your favorite memory of the event? My favorite uh, probably is from two years ago, Sebastian Bourdais, uh, a local St. Pete resident here, um, came from last place to uh, to win the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Um, he had an incident in, in qualifying that, that disregarded his qualifying speed, so he's relegated to the back of the field, and they were able to uh, – to move to the front through strategy and, and win in his uh, hometown. I think it was a very, very popular win. Let me go ahead and throw you out to my co-host, Michael Mullally, who hopefully will be able to stay connected to the program this evening for a little while and ask you a few questions as well. That sounds great. So my first question for you, um, what are some of the major points that go into your job? Like, what are some of the, like, I wish I could word it better. I hope you kind of understand. Sure. Um, I think the, the, the major thing that uh, I try to do in my role is, is just uh, bring overall attention um, to that this event is going on, and, and that's something that happens year-round. It, it's not just uh, this week or, or next. It's um, it's a planning process that's 12 months long, and and really, uh, race week is, is kind of the reward where you get to see the um, fruition of all those works ha- happen and, and finally see those race cars go fast down the, the streets of St. Petersburg. And what is your favorite form of racing? I mean, obviously, you're very involved with IndyCar, but what is your absolute favorite form of racing? Well, growing up, I um, saw a lot of short track racing, sprint cars, and um, obviously also I always enjoyed watching IndyCar racing on TV, and the Indy 500 was always uh, something I looked forward to each May. Um, So I liked both. I liked, you know, the, the... the quarter to half mile tracks to, you know, these Indy cars that do road courses to super speedways. 
And have you participated in any, because I know you just said that you watched a lot of short track racing and you grew up with it. Did you do any racing yourself? Um, I do not. I usually uh, stay behind the scenes and, and just try to bring attention to the sport. Um, you know, I've done a few driving schools and, and things um, up at a track at Mid-Ohio, who our company also owns. Um, but uh, I'm more content to just be uh, someone that's uh, bringing attention to it all. And my final question for you this evening, being a market manager, um, what is some of the like behind-the-scenes advice you would give to someone looking to get into the sport? Well, don't be afraid to volunteer. Um, I started out in this industry as a summer intern, and um, it just it grew from there. Um, don't shy away from, you know, again, volunteering and and getting experience that way because, uh, really, that, that's how you learn and, and uh, uh, have a can-do attitude and, and just, uh, just take it a step at a time. There's a lot of stuff going on this weekend in uh, in Florida, so I was curious. Why do you think our listeners should should dip into their wallets and uh, and decide to buy a ticket to go see the race in St. Petersburg? Well, St. Petersburg is often uh, deemed the uh, Monaco of the of the United States. I mean, it is just a beautiful setting on the waterfront. Um, you can also, you know, get into the locker room of motorsports, so to speak, if you purchase a paddock pass, where you can get up close to the cars and, and the drivers, and and there's just all kinds of activities and, and displays, and, um, you know, you don't have to be confined to your seat. There's something on every inch of the property to do. So it, it's really not only a racing event, it's also, you know, a spring break festival as well. Well, that, it sounds like it's going to be a great event. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be up there next weekend. And uh, hopefully it's a really great show and the, uh, and the weather cooperates and, and everything comes together really well. It's going to be pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, we look forward to seeing you out there and uh, appreciate the time this evening. And um, it's great to have uh, racing back started again. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And, and have a great week and enjoy the run up to the race. I know there's lots of activities going on around the around the city there, so it should be a should be a fun time to be in St. Petersburg. Absolutely. Have a great evening. You too, thank you. Once again that was Steve Bidlack, the marketing director for Green Savary Promotions, who would be getting ready for the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg taking place next weekend in beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida. On February 26, 1944, seven sports car enthusiasts met at Boston, Massachusetts, home of Sharpen Walur to perform a club decade to the preservation of sports cars. That group of gentlemen may not have known it then, but the birth of the Sports Car Club of America that evening changed the face of motorsports. And in the minds of race fans today, the world. That first SCCA meeting 75 years ago was a bit more exclusive as compared to today's clubs. The list of cars owned by founders Everett Dickinson, John Duby, Arnold Engborg, Theodore Robertson, George Schultz, Robert Townsend, and Chapin Wallmoor sound like museum pieces. A a, A Duesenberg J. Double Cowl Baton, a Lancia Lamb... Lamba, a fifth series roadster, a Kissel Speedster, a Stutz DV32 Sports Tour, a Mercer Series 4 Race About, an Isaac Frascini Type 8A Castagna Convertible Coupe, and a Rolls Royce Phantom IS Fox Station. The original Constitution, penned by Robert, sorry, Robert Tin stated memberships in the club would be restricted to owners of sports cars sponsored by one current member, seconded by another, and elected by the unanimous vote of the officers. Then that new member had to pay the yearly dues within 30 days, the sum being $30. 
Now celebrating its 75th diamond anniversary, the SCCA looks a lot different today. With 67,500 members in 116 regions, conducting more than 2,000 motorsport events each year. The club has produced racing legends such as Mark Donahue, Phil Hill, Diane Gurney, Bobby Rahal, Roger Penske, Paul Newman, George Fulmer, and so many more. It's safe to say the seven founders likely never imagined their club hosting such events as the recent 969-entry SCCA National Championship runoffs at Indianapolis Mars Speedway or a 1,375-entry Tire Rack SCCA Solo Nationals in Lincoln, Nebraska. Equally impressive is how the club has transformed over the years from a mentality of exclusivity to a mindset of inclusion. Today, the SCCA welcomes automobile fans from all walks of life to join in and have fun with cars through road racing, solo, road rally, hill climb, or volunteer volunteerism. The club has also added innovative new programs such as Track Night in America, driven by Tire Rack, Rally Cross, and the Tire Rack Time Trials National Tour in recent history. The founding members laid the building blocks for the current version of the club, as is every passionate member along the way. Throughout the 2019 season, SCCA members will deservedly pat themselves on the back for an impressive accomplishment, realizing many clubs, businesses, products, and organizations have come and gone in the last 75 years. What will SCCA look like in 75 more years? Nobody can know for sure, but the club and its members sure look forward to the journey and the road ahead. Learn more about the SCCA's history through the Racer.com story, SCCA 75 Years of Setting the Bar. The Sports Car Club of America, Incorporated, founded in 1944, is a 67,500-member motorsports organization that incorporates all spaces of autocross, rally, and road racing at both club and professional levels. With headquarters in Topeka, Kansas, the SCCA annually sanctions over 2,000 events through its 116 regions and subsidiary divisions. Much of the SCCA's activities are made possible with support from the following official partners. Hagerty, the official insurance partner of SCCA. Hawk Performance, the official brake products of SCCA. Sunoco, the official fuel of SCCA. And Tire Rack, the official tire retailer of the SCCA. To learn more, please visit www.scca.com. The second event of the 2019 NHRA Miller Yellow Drag Racing Series concluded on Sunday as Billy Torrance took home the top fuel victory at the 35th Annual Magic Dry Organic Absorbent NHRA Arizona Nationals at the Wild Horse Pass Motorsports Park. Matt Hagen, Sonny Carr, and Jay Coughlin Jr. Pro Stock were also winners in their respective categories at the second of 24 events on the 2019 Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series schedule. B. Torrance emerged victorious with a run of 3.965 seconds at 326.40 miles per hour in his Capco Contractors Torrance Racing Dragster to take down Leah Pritchett in the final round. After earning the number one qualifier on Saturday, B. Torrance secured his second career victory. It's just a blessing to be out here, B. Torrance stated. I'm, not try- I'm trying not to choke up. The car ran great, and they all worked so hard to keep a good car under me. Even Steve's team came over to help them out, and it was just outstanding. B. Torrance took down Terry Trotton, Mike Salinas, and rookie debut Jordan Vandergriff as he raced to his first win in 2019. Pritchett overcame Cameron Frary, Terry McMillan, and teammate Antron Brown en route to her first final round of 2019. Hagen powered his Sandvik Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat to the funny car victory with a run of 3.890 at 325.6 takedown defending world champion J.R. Todd in the final round. This is his first victory of the season and third third at the facility. For us, this win is huge with the new Hellcat body, Hagen said. Hats off to Dickie, venerable crew chief. He won the race. He had a race car underneath me that was just going down the track every lap. We were able to put a great sh- on a great show for our fans. Hagen qualified second on the weekend, up second on the weekend, and defeated um, Phil Buckhart Jr., Sean Langdon, and Bob Tasca the third on his path to victory. Todd secured the number five qualifying spot and took down Terry Haddock, Tommy Johnson Jr., and the number one qualifier Robert Height as he reached his first final round of the season. In pro stock, Coughlin drove to the winner's circle with a 6.557 at 210.67 miles per hour run in his to defeat Matt Hartford in the final round. He secured his 62nd victory and completed his 1,000th elimination round of his career. I felt really good behind the wheel, Coughlin stated. 
We came out on top, and today it feels great to get to our 1,000th Pro Stock round run. It was a huge win today, and I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. Coughlin was the number seven qualifier as he was victorious against Greg Anderson, Alex Laughlin, and teammate Eric Anders as he earned his first victory of the season. Hartford qualified number four on the weekend and beat Val Smeeland, Roger Bogdan, and Derek Kramer as he notched his second career final round. The 2019 NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series season continues at the 50th annual Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals at Gainesville Raceway March 14th through the 17th in Gainesville, Florida. That's also the same weekend as Sebring, so it's kind of interesting that the that there's so many racing events going on here in Florida around the same time. I've always thought that's a little odd, but you never know. It's one of those things, everybody trying to get the best weather at this time of year. Sunday's final results from the 35th annual Magic Dry Organic Absorbent NHRA Arizona Nationals at Wild Horse Motorsports Pass, Wild Horse Pass Motorsports Park are as follows. The race was the second of 24 in the NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series schedule. In top fuel, Billy Torrance had a pass of 3.965 seconds, at 326.40 miles per hour, defeating Leah Pritchett, who ran 9.568 seconds at 75.68 miles per hour. Apparently, she had some issues. In funny car, Matt Hagen ran 3.890 seconds at 325.06 miles per hour, defeating J.R. Todd and Joe DeCamry. J.R. Todd also had issues. In pro stock, Jed Coughlin his Chevy Camaro ran a 6.557 at 210.67 miles per hour, defeating Matt Hartford in his Camaro, who had a red light. Apparently, it wasn't a very good final series at all for this race. And the top fuel Harley, Bo Lane, ran a 6.381 at 220.08 seconds, defeating Doug Vansel, who ran a 9.924 at 97.22 miles per hour. Again, not exactly the most exciting final round, but it sounds like at least one of the cars ran made down the track. Not being exactly just one car, but okay. Um, as of right now, the NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series points are top fuel, number one, with Billy Torrance with 178. In second place, Doug Coletta with 172. Third place, Leah Pritchett with 145. Fourth place, Steve Torrance with 137. Fifth, Terry McMillan with 132. Sixth, Mike Salinas with 122. Seventh, Antron Brown with 115. Eighth, Austin Plock with 106. Ninth, Jordan Vandergroof with 77. And tenth, Richie Crampton with 66. And Funny Cars Top 10. First, Robert Height with 205. Second, Matt Hagen with 160. Third, Jack Beckman with 151. Fourth, Tommy Johnson Jr. with 132. Fifth, Bob Tassner the third with 129. Sixth, it's a tie with John Force and J.R. Todd with 126 points. Eighth is Sean Langdon with 111. Ninth would be Ron Capps with 89 points. And tenth is Cruz Credragon with 86 points. And in pro stock, the top 10 is first, Bo Butner with 181 points. Second, Jason Line with 157. Third, Erica Enders with 152. Fourth, Matt Hartford with 147. Fifth, Jade Coughlin with 145. Sixth, Alex Laughlin with 136. Seventh, Derek Kramer with 110. Eighth, Roger Brogdon with 100. Ninth, Chris Gaha with 84. And in 10th, it's a tie between Steve Graham and Val Smeeland with 82 points. The USAC Silver Crown Series and former Indy Lights driver Davey Hamilton Jr. is currently facing charges of false imprisonment and aggravated assault. Hamilton Jr., 21, of Jamestown, Indiana, was arrested Saturday in West Palm Beach, Florida, after allegedly breaking into his ex-girlfriend's hotel room and holding her there at knife point, according to a West Palm Beach Police Department probable cause affidavit. His ex-girlfriend is also from Indiana. He is also he is the son of former IndyCar driver and 11-time Indianapolis 500 starter Davey Hamilton. According to the affidavit, Hamilton Jr. hid his identity and lured his former girlfriend to Florida by pretending to be the owner of a vodka company trying to enlist her as a brand ambassador. Under the guise, 
Hamilton Jr. paid for a chauffeur to take her to the hotel as well as for a room for her. Upon her arrival, he texted her to get ready, and she got in the shower, the report said. While she was in the shower, Hamilton Jr. ripped down the curtain while holding a 10-inch knife in his hand, according to the probable cause affidavit. He instructed her to sit on the bed before saying it didn't have to be this way, according to the document. He accused her of cheating on him and asked her a series of questions before she was able to escape the room, the report said. Hamilton Jr. chased her after, chased after her, but stopped when she found someone to help. Hamilton Jr. fled the hotel, but was later apprehended by police and taken into custody, where, according to the report, he confessed to orchestrating the meeting with his ex-girlfriend with the intent to scare her, but not physically harm her. He also told police he had purchased the knife, duct tape, and bondage restraints, according to the affidavit. Hamilton was charged two third-degree felonies, armed false imprisonment, and assault with a deadly weapon without intent to kill. I don't know how they got without intent to kill when he had a knife, but whatever. He is being held at the West Palm Beach Main Detention Center on $30,000 bail. Since his arrest, Hamilton has hired Indianapolis area criminal attorney Jim Voyles as well as Florida lawyer Brian Bieber. We believe that the facts ultimately may come out a little differently than they are being portrayed at this time, Boyle said in a statement to Indy Star. We believe there is another side to this story. Hamilton Jr., an Idaho native, was set to drive a full USAC Silver Crown schedule for his father's racing team. He has competed in three Indy Lights races since 2016, including last year's Freedom 100, where he drove for Team Pelfrey and finished seventh. That just shows if you're... If you're ever approached to be on this program, you better come on. Otherwise, your whole career will fall apart and end up in the in the West Palm Beach Jail, which I can almost see from my house here. Almost. <laughs> so, there you go. Have you ever had any issues like that in your career? Crazy people trying to trying to come after you there. Not any off-track stuff, but, I mean, we've had, like, crazy at-the-track stuff where, you know, they bring out the the jack handles and they throw tires at your car. But I don't I don't think we've had any knives pulled, thank goodness. So you need to try harder then, that's all. That's what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, at least it... It's uh, it's always interesting to have uh, West Palm Beach show up in the news, but that's not exactly the way you'd want to have it show up most of the time. We did have the uh, the recent issue there with with Robert Kraft and his his uh, dalliances there at the at the massage parlor, which is only a few miles, a little further up the road than that than the hotel that they were staying in West Palm Beach. But but still, it's not exactly the sort of publicity that that I think West Palm Beach would want. Uh, he was probably wow, and the, you guys have. Had you guys have had that publicity a couple times now, huh? Pretty close yeah. together. That's it. <laughs> he was probably in town for the for the indie uh, the warm up the the winter warm up they've got going on there at Homestead. So, but he he probably wanted to kill more than one bird with the with a couple of stones there. But at least nobody got hurt, and hopefully he gets he gets a little bit of help because it seems like he went a little off the deep end there. Yeah, you mean like he might be full wackadoo? A little bit. <laughs> either, he's, either he's trying to have a, a a team psycho sponsor on the side of his car. You never know. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I bet there are people out there that would sponsor him for his psychoticness. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, a an interview I'm going to be doing, I actually did the other day, with the... Uh, the actor who played Jason in uh, Friday the 13th. So that'll be posted on Palm Beach Happening this evening. That kind of ties in. The guy with a really big knife come chasing after you. I mean, that was pretend, and this one was, was apparently not. Although, if you believe what he said, he, he only wanted to scare her, but I think that there's there's always a chance something bad could happen, especially with a, a little crazy guy with a big knife. So. Yeah. Well, the way that he went about it, he was just up to no good. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a another short musical interlude here while we're standing by for our next guest. Let's go ahead and listen to Victory Lane from Ron Fasana and the Bitcoin. 
Hey everybody, this is Tristan Nunez, driver of the 7-0 Skyactiv Mazda prototype, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. A landmark 2019 season is at store at Monterey County's WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. The legendary 2.238 mile 11 turn road course is set to host a calendar of new and returning events that will throw motorsports fans from all across the globe. The major event schedule will begin in March for the first time since 2006. The International Intercontinental GT Challenge California 8 Hours returns for the third consecutive season to kick off the year on March 28th through, 29th through the 30th. Previously hosted in October, the event will be the second of the GT3 Endurance Racing Series five races on five different continents. The month of May springs into racing action May 3rd through the 5th with the addition of the Trans Am Speed Festival taking hold of WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Contemporary car racing will take center stage by Shoko showcasing the motoring muscle of the popular Trans Am series presented by Pirelli, which is filled with Camaros, Challengers, Mustangs, and more. The Trans Am series was formed in 1966 as a manufacturer's championship for modern sedans and returned to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca after a 15-year absence. The Trans Am series was held in Monterey in 1969 through 1972, 1978 through 1982, 2000 through 2001, and 2004. Event winners during the span include greats such as Mark Donahue, Carnelli Jones, Peter Gregg, John Morton, Elliot Forbes Robinson, and George Fulmer. Complimenting the weekend professional Trans Am race will be vintage and historic racers of the Sports Car Vintage Racing Association, the SVRA. One week later, Ferrari Challenge North America's Ferrari Racing Days and exclusive course Cliente Formula One cars descend on Monterey May 9th through the 12th. The single mark series sparks the enthusiasm of Prancing Course fans and owners alike. Competition among Ferrari 488s in 2018 ranged from professional drivers to noble ad- amateurs, such as Hollywood actor Michael Fassbender. The course Cliente Formula One program enables a small group of people to purchase Formula One cars and use them to the fullest with the tutelage from Scuderia Corsa drivers. Motorcycle fans will be greeted to a full century experience of July 12th through the 14th when the Moto America Racing Series blasts into town for three days of world-class motorcycle racing for the Moto FIM Superbike World Challenge World Championship Geico Motorcycle U.S. Round with Moto America. There'll be racing legends, celebrities, vintage racing and heritage, GP racing motorcycle exhibitions, classic motorcycle auction, and engaging family events among the planned activities. Returning for its fourth, for its fifth consecutive year at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, Motor America carries on the AMA Superbike tradition while fielding its full slate of five highly competitive classes. The prestigious Rolex Motorway Mar- Monterey Motorsports Union, a cornerstone of Monterey Classic Car Week, returns on its traditional date on the third week of August. The Monterey Free Reunion kicks off things with more than 300 race, historic race cars taken to the racetrack on August 10th and 11th. The Rolex Monterey Motorsports Union on August 15th through the 18th will feature 550 cars selected for their history and race provenance. The 50th anniversary of the International Motorsports Association will be celebrated as feature Markegi throughout the four-day event with legendary cars and drivers from the series' illustrious past, present, and future. In September, Monterey, sports, Monterey Speed Week will bring together America's premier sports car racing series and America's premier open-wheel racing series to the WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca in back-to-back weekends with special events taking place in between. First up will be the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, returning for its penultimate race of the season on September 13th through the 15th. The technologically advanced prototype and GT cars will do battle with championships on the line in an always thrilling race. The new seven-race WeatherTech Sprint Cup Series will hold its deciding race of the 2019 season in Monterey. IndyCars return to Monterey for the first time in 15 years with the IndyCar Grand Prix of Monterey on September 20th through the 22nd for what will be the Crown Jewel event in the 2019 race schedule. The champion will be crowned during the season-ending event that brings IndyCar back to its spiritual road racing home. Memories such as Alex Zanardi passing Brian Herta during the last lap in the corkscrew in 1996, Mario Andretti's emotional retirement in 1994, and Bobby Rahal's remarkable four consecutive wins will be rekindled while five-time champion Scott Dixon and a grid full of talented drivers bring incredible racing to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Tickets for the IndyCar Monterey Grand Prix are currently on sale at WeatherTechRaceway.com or by calling 831-242-8200. The on-sale dates for all their events will be announced in the coming weeks. 
We actually should be posting them on Speedway Digest in the next few days. While we're currently standing by for our next guest to call into the program, so let's go ahead and listen to another selection from Bron Pastana and the Pit Crew, at least for a moment. This is In the Zone. This is Jason Vines, author of What Did Jesus Drive? And you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. We're still standing by to hear from our final guest this evening is Brad Littlefield, the public relations manager for By the Tech Raceway Laguna Seca. He should be calling in momentarily, hopefully, if there isn't any issue. Keep my fingers crossed. Anyway, should be a great, uh, while we're standing by, let's go ahead and congratulate Danny Hamlin to won the Daytona 500 and survive the carnage of the opening race of the NASCAR season. In Atlanta, Brad Keselowski found the cure to one him in Sunday's Fold of Honor Quick Trip 500. He had a really bad flu, so that wasn't the best way to get, a, get the weekend going, but hopefully he feels better now, and I know that the Nothing makes your, you feel better than winning a race, and I'm sure he had lots of liquid help after the race that made him feel a lot better. We're now pleased to welcome Brad Littlefield, the public relations manager for WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, into the program. Hey. How you guys doing? Pretty good. How you doing tonight? 
Uh, doing great. Beautiful day here in Monterey, California. Awesome. First off, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the track? Yeah, the track uh, dates back to 1957, but really the roots of it were the uh, Pebble Beach Road Races that went on from 1950 to 1956. And you know, those those were a, a big hit, brought a bunch of people, tens of thousands of people a year to the Monterey Peninsula. But, uh, you know, racing through the forest back in those days, it had its uh, hazards and it was deemed unsafe, and uh, it was so popular among everybody that a bunch of local businesses, business owners, got together, formed a SCRAMP, the Sports Car Racing Association of the Monterey Peninsula, and uh, off a piece of property uh, leased from uh, Fort Ord, they uh, built the track in 1957 to get races going. Uh, that November, what they called the eighth annual Pebble Beach Road Races, and it uh, it took off from there. And I was in the 60s, a bunch of you know big sports car racing, and then late 60s, the Can-Am and Trans-Am came along and really kind of defined uh, what went on there at the track. Uh, AMA motorcycle racing beginning in 1972. And uh, really took a, a big step in the, the 80s. They got IndyCar in 1983 um, and actually changed the track configuration in 1987 uh, to accommodate uh, Grand Prix motorcycle racing. We went from nine turns to 11 turns and uh, you know 1.9 miles to what's now after uh, other changes 2.238 miles. And uh, yeah, since then there's just been a, a bunch of great racing. And obviously we got our you know the historics and uh, still still big in the motorcycle racing. Got IndyCar coming back this year. We're really excited about that. Uh, celebrating uh, IMSA's 50th anniversary with one of their events, and also a future market Rolex Monterey Motorsports reunion. So it's going to be a busy year. I know you have a you have an awful lot of events there compared to a lot of the tracks in the country. A lot of uh, a lot of big events. Um, how does the track determine what sort of uh, racing is going to be held there on a year-to-year basis? Uh, just the, well, a lot of it's uh, you know relationships we have with uh, certain series, and you know we try to get the uh, give the fans the most bang bang for their buck. Um, you know we we always have a, a big motorcycle race every year, and, and um, the the best uh, we're able to give our fans is you know World Superbike Racing, the International Series and then combine that with Moto America which uh, kind of continues the AMA Superbike tradition um, and uh, yeah just, just we're working with these uh, these series and, and also you know put, putting on our, our own events you know the Rolex Monterey More Sports Reunion. Uh, we we do that, in the, you know, in conjunction with uh, the HMSA. And um, you know, we 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 have a, a certain you know amount of, of dates a year where we can have these big uh, premier events, and we just try to make the most of them. What's your favorite event that's held at the track? Oh man, the. Uh, uh, it's like asking what your favorite kid is. You know, you like them all <laughs> for a little different reason, and uh, yeah, they all got, all got their their quirks and, and the things you look forward to. Uh, the the one I really took to the most from from day one though is the uh, motorcycle racing and uh, yeah, World, World Superbike. It's I mean, just just the the sound and and the visceral effect and and seeing the the riders you know lean into the turns at 170 miles an hour. It's it's hard not to get excited about that. Our last guest was the uh, was the guy from the uh, was Steve Bidlack from Greens Heavy Promotions, who does the Grand Prix of Saint Petersburg. It's the first race of the season, takes place next weekend. We know that you host the final event of the of the 2019 IndyCar calendar. Who do you think will be contending for the championship by then? I mean, the, it, it's hard to go against Scott Dixon. He's he's you know. He's won it more times than anybody who's actively racing, and uh, also last year, uh, I think it could be Alexander Rossi's year too. And uh, you know, it'd be fitting him being a, a Northern California guy to be uh, continuing for the title here at the very end. Uh, there, there's uh, a lot of great contenders to get excited about, and, and a really killer uh, rookie class, and and 
you know, the, the battle for rookie of the year is going to be interesting, but I mean, the, the, the one that wins may be in the title chase too, but I mean, if, if I had to put some money down on it today, uh, I, I might give it to Rossi. With so many things to do in, uh, in California there, why should our, our listeners go out and make a trip to the WeatherTech Raceway? Well, that's the thing. A, if you're a big racing fan, I mean, this is, uh, you know, one of those uh, bucket list tracks. There just isn't really another track like this. The um, the elevation changes, the the atmosphere. It's it's really a one of a kind place with with uh, a lot of history too. And and being where it's located, I mean, it, it's uh, a, a pretty easy sell. I mean, there, we get. You know, a lot of tourists come in here just for other reasons because they want to be by the the beach and and uh, you know they got the aquarium the the wildlife and you just walk up to the beach and see the the sea otters and seals and sea lions uh, playing at certain times and uh, I mean world class golf courses if you're into that um, me I, I'm just really one note in the racing and the the track in itself is, is a big enough sell for me. Well, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program this evening. I know you've uh, you've been a really good supporter of of my uh, my work with Speedway Digest, and we hope to work with you for a long time to come. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, and uh, everyone, be sure to go to www.weathertechraceway.com and uh, to see what we have in store for this year. Thanks again, and have a great night. Okay, thank you. Once again, that was Brad Littlefield from the Mazda Raceway at Laguna Seca. They've got a bunch of races coming up this year. It's going to be an amazing season there. And we thank him very much for coming on the program tonight. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at SpeedwayDigestRadioNetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read articles covering all aspects of motorsports at SpeedwayDigest.com. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information of our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which we found by visiting palmbeach.happeningmag.com. There are some changes going to take place at Palm Beach Happening in the next few weeks. I'm not entirely sure what those changes are. Um, could be a great thing. Could be something much different. But for right now, be sure to check it out. We've got a lot of amazing stuff going on. As I hinted at during our little segment with Davey, about Davy Hamilton Jr., we do have a, an awesome interview going online this evening with the uh, with Warrington Gillette, who played, played Jason in Friday the 13th, Part 2. So be sure to check that out at Palm Beach Happening. Um, we've also got some coverage coming up this weekend from the Comic-Con Revolution in West Palm Beach at the... Palm Beach County Convention Center. That's going on Friday. Actually, it's going on just Saturday and Sunday. We're also going to be posting some pictures from the Street Painting Festival from Lake Worth. That's going to be posted. That took place last weekend in downtown Lake Worth. You can probably still see all the art laying on on Lake and Lucerne Avenues. Um, So that's pretty awesome. You can check that out probably this weekend. I'm hoping to maybe do them tomorrow, but, but you never know. So there's a lot of great stuff going on in Palm Beach happening, and we hope you you take a look at it. It's a great place to go, and we love living in the Palm Beaches. Once again, thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Have a great night, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>